This is Attract, Engage, Grow, a Three Aspens Media podcast that provides a fresh look at how companies are using content marketing to stand out in today's ultra-competitive digital world. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 2, Look Outside for Inspiration, featuring John Dupre, co-founder of Rebel Woods. I'm Lindsay Konzak, your host, and I'm looking forward to sharing ideas and inspiration from companies who are using content marketing to attract, engage, and convert prospects into customers. In this episode, I'm talking with John Dupre, whose family's business, a hardwoods flooring distributor, is shaking things up in their market with a new approach to e-commerce. Taking inspiration from the likes of clothing delivery services, Stitch Fix, and Trunk Club, I love his story because it's a great example of what has to happen to compete against the likes of Amazon and other big box stores in a traditionally bricks-and-mortar world. Here's John. John, tell me a little bit about your business and I guess when you joined the family business. Yes, Lindsay, thank you for having me. This is, uh, this yeah. is fun. I've been looking forward to this. Uh, so yeah. our business basically I, I'm going to go back a little further than just when I joined this business, if you don't mind, because uh, it no all, it's all relevant. So <laughs> we started, uh, I, I was pretty much born into the hardwood flooring industry. My father um, took a part-time contracting job when he was waiting to get a different job at a college. And then my mother got married right out of college. And, uh, and then when my mother got pregnant with me, uh, you know, they really had to reevaluate their financial situation. And my father working part-time for a guy that taught him how to stand floors uh, was not going to get it done. And so he kind of took a risk at that point. They borrowed some money from his father. He bought some standing equipment, and he went into business for himself and was a flooring mm-hmm. contractor for about 22 years. And so for me, you know, I didn't understand the financials of the decision at the time because I was you know, in utero, but the, uh, <laughs> you know, growing up uh, around, just around it, like that was what, what my father did. And so my summer job and all that, it was uh, essential for him to teach us work ethic the old fashioned way um, through just pain, basically, uh, was just following him around and, and helping with these standing jobs and, and doing whatever little thing, even, even if he didn't need the help, he still wanted me to help because we were going to learn work ethic. You know, my brother and I did that for years. So that was my summer job growing up in the industry. And I, I had um, decided that I wasn't ever going to do anything with hardwood flooring ever again. And uh, <laughs> ran off well. to college. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right. No spoiler alert, uh, how that story ends. Um, but it is, this industry is kind of like that. Like it's a lot of people who you just, they don't leave it's like the hotel California uh, mm-hmm. without the weather. Um, so, you know, we, so I, I went to college for marketing communications and I thought I'm going to like, I don't know, do something in media or television or Hollywood, whatever. Right. It's, I was a millennial, follow your dreams. It'll just happen. Go spend mm-hmm. a bunch of money on college and everything will just happen for you. Uh, don't worry about how it works or paying it back. Uh, so I did that <laughs> and, uh, immediately out of college discovered that, uh, that was not true actually. So that was kind of a bummer. And I graduated in 06 with a degree in marketing communications, which uh, seems like a valuable thing to have at the time. I, uh, I, got, I ended up getting a job with a company that sold sandpaper in the flooring industry, um, Saint-Gobain, or Saint-Gobain, as they say it, because it's French. Um, and then Norton is their brand name. So I worked for them 
back and forth, right, for eight years, uh, traveling the country and working with contractors. And during that time, my father got out of contracting and uh, opened a distribution business, wholesale distribution business here in Rochester, New York. For whatever reason, he decided he wanted to work with me uh, and convinced me to come join up with the family business in the wholesale distribution side. Uh, and it was there that, you know, we started talking about myself and our operations man- manager, a gentleman named Jonathan Mocha, who's my age. We uh, kind of had an idea of what's going to be next for this industry. And, and you know, my father had always been an active member of the National Reforming Association. He's currently, as of this recording, vice chairman of the board of directors. And, uh, and I'd always had strong ties there, too. I'm on the Emerging Leaders Council for them. And, uh, so the industry has always been really important to us. And so we, we kind of asked this question amongst ourselves, like, what, what's next? Like, what does this look like? Where is this going? You know, every other industry uh, has transitioned successfully to the Internet, um, but ours really hasn't. We've been insulated from that for a number of reasons, a number of very good reasons. Um, but still, there was no reason to think that that was going to be the case forever. Uh, so we kind of uh, put our heads together, and, and that's essentially where Revel Woods was born. So so here you're talking about the online uh, aspect of everything. So I guess the question everyone asks these days is, do you think Amazon is a threat to your industry? So Amazon is a threat to literally every industry, I guess, mm-hmm. if you're not them. Uh, they're, they have a lot of money. I don't know if you know this, but they have a lot of money. They do? Uh, and they've, yeah, that's what I hear. I hear they don't make money, but I hear they have a lot of it. So Amazon, Amazon's like the king of e-commerce, right? And they have a, a fairly specific, uh, way that they, they go about this. Um, so your question then, I mean, do I see them as a threat? Uh, I see them as a distant potential threat. But I'm mm-hmm. not seeing enough in the short term because as somebody who's uh, started an e-commerce business in flooring and looked at extensively different models that existed and decided to do one that didn't exist uh, for this re- same reason, that uh, I got to imagine they're really smart over there. Uh, so they're, they're, they have to be as aware of the pitfalls uh, that we saw. I'm sure their research shows them the same things, which is probably why we haven't seen them uh, blast into this market yet uh, the way they did with, say, the purchase of Whole Foods. Sure. Yes, and of course they've done. They've definitely gone in a big way into kind of related markets, right? Industrial, industrial channels, seeing a lot of competition, uh, especially for MRO products. So let's let's talk a little bit about the hardwood flooring industry. So you know, because of the types sure. of products you sell, you know, hardwood flooring, it's heavy, it's hard to return, it has to be installed correctly. Um, I guess it's been hard, right, for smaller retailers and distributors or even larger ones to sell online. Um, obviously, we know some have tried, um, but you're you're kind of taking a different approach. You're not taking a pure e-commerce approach, right? You're looking beyond that transaction and kind of trying to solve some of these challenges that are inherent to selling your product line, I guess. I guess in a recent article for the NWFA magazine, you kind of put it, and I liked how you put it, um, you kind of are framing it as creating an online boutique experience. Can you share with us kind of the solution that you're working on and how that came about? Yeah, I'd love to. So, so I, yeah, when we were at the wholesale 
business, and we st- we're still there. But we we were thinking about the future kind of long term. And uh, one of my partners in this venture, Jonathan Mocha, as I mentioned earlier, he had spent some time at a, a vendor event for one of our suppliers, and he got to know uh, Rob Banks from Build Direct a little bit. And, and Rob didn't share anything that was like not necessarily public knowledge, but he was just talking a little bit about Build Direct and, and where they've had some successes. And they did have uh, a lot of success. And and John Jonathan came back and we were talking to us about well the online thing and the Build Direct has done this successfully, but we you know should we be looking at something like that? And my initial reaction was I don't like it. Uh, I don't think it's um, it just it feels very me too. It's, it, um, there's no real selling. They're just sort of offering. And the only way somebody would buy that is if they were somehow familiar with that Armstrong or Mullican or Mohawk product or whomever it is at a local retailer. The local retailer would have to do the selling, and the business model ends up being go home, Google the floor you just looked at, and see if you can find it cheaper online because you think that this retailer is ripping you off. And the problem with that parasitic model is you know, if you're successful as a parasite, eventually the host probably dies. And when the host dies, the parasite dies. So mm. that was less interesting to me to just say, okay, well, let's grab a Shopify template, take some pictures of the flooring samples we already offer here, slap them on the internet for dirt cheap and see if we can just shove it out the door. Um, we thought, I think we're going to do this. We need to do something that's truly going to be special, you know, and, and is actually going to solve these problems. Like, could we create something? It's going to be harder, but could we create something that would be lasting, that would have a long-term effect, that's self-sustaining, that doesn't require you to go into a showroom somewhere in Omaha so that we can steal that person's sale? I mean, that, that felt gross to us. So, mm-hmm. so we didn't um, – and we are a wholesaler who sells people in our market like, that are uh, those exact retailers. And we, we're not going to steal right. – you know, we weren't going to try and steal sales from them like that. Uh, we we know and love and care about those people and their businesses and, and have continued to try to help them grow through this process. Uh, so that wasn't – we just weren't going to do that. It was not – whatever we were going to do, it wasn't going to be that. And uh, well, we we sort of let it sit for a few months. And uh, what ended up happening was one day I was on uh, – just looking at different e-commerce sites, and uh, basically I was shopping. That was a code word for shopping because I was bored. And um, – <laughs> what I ended up doing was uh, I found this. It was a clothing website, and I, I'm trying to remember exactly what it was called. It was like Men's Style Lab. Like I don't think they exist anymore, but it was basically like Stitch Fix or Trunk Club at its uh, when Trunk Club was originally launched before Nordstrom bought them. And mm-hmm. uh, and I don't know if you're familiar with those sites or how they work, uh, but if your listeners are not, essentially what it is is uh, a website where their, their premise is men hate shopping for clothes. They don't just show you like a shirt. Like you don't just go to oldnavy.com and you go, oh, I like this in the red checkered pattern or whatever, and you buy it in your size. Uh, they take a holistic approach to it. They think about not just selling you a shirt, but selling you the whole look. But in order to do that, they got to know what it is you're trying to look like. So before you would see any product, there would be this quiz that they walked you through. Like what are your dimensions? Like what, you know, I'll, what do you weigh? What do you... Uh, what does your style look like? What kind of brands do you normally buy? Like, what do you, they had pictures of like, what's the look you're going for? Business formal, business casual, all the way casual, you know, and then what they would do afterwards is they still wouldn't show you product, but they would have you, you basically paid a thousand dollars 
I think it was at that time. And they sent you this trunk with outfits that were picked by designers that were curated, that were fully like they it went together. Like this is someone who is really good at picking out outfits. All these things are designed to go together. If you liked it, you kept it. If you didn't like it, you sent it back and they refunded you whatever that item cost. I was looking at that kind of approach and uh, a light bulb went on. And I thought, well, that's mm-hmm. kind of what we do in when we walk customers through in the showroom. It's, it's that exact process. Like they come in and we don't just say, okay, here, pick out a red floor. Uh, you know, we, we stop and say, okay, who are you? Like, what are you looking for? Where is this going? What's a sub floor? Um, what, uh, you know, kids, dogs, level of activity. Like, what are you doing to this place? What's there now? All of that matters. And then once we get an idea, budget, whatever it is, um, we walk them over to a section where it's like, okay, these are the things that are going to work for that situation. Okay, you've got radiant heat. This is a lake house. Like, stop looking at these wide plank solids. They're not warrantied. They're going to explode. There's no point in even seeing them, right? So we thought that is the experience we wanted to take online. And maybe this sort of trunk club stitch fix model could be a way to do it. And so we started, I walked into to John's office and uh, I just said, go to this website. And, and he was flicking around on it and he was like, what, what is this? What am I looking at? And there's a quiz and all that. Yeah, he's like, yeah, are you trying I to tell it. me what something? I, yeah, he's like, what are, what are you doing? And, and I said, that, that's what we should do. And I could see it in his face. Like that was the moment we thought, okay, now we might be on to something, you know? So we, uh, just then over the next, it took two years from that, more than two years from that moment to where we actually soft launched last April, April of 2017 and, uh, of just refining and refining and, and the quiz was great. And that was the central piece of it, but there was, we wanted so much more to that. Uh, what about the service aspect? What about the products themselves? How are they going to be presented? What about the sampling? What about, uh, you know, like, okay, we're going to change the way they're going to view this product. Um, but, but it, that's not enough. Like, how do we make this whole experience like this? Like, is, you don't want just one piece, you know? And so we just, a lot of late nights, uh, a lot of adult beverages, a lot of yelling at each other, uh, mm-hmm. refining it, pitching it to my father who was the ultimate decision maker in this, you know, what about the freight? What about client? How do we determine that? You know, but then there was the issue of, okay, well, how do we build this? And that presented its own challenges because there isn't a Shopify template that lets you filter your products based on climate rating cross-reference with the zip code, right? So we couldn't just slap this thing together in a weekend on Squarespace and call it a day. This thing had to be custom built. Uh, so we, we thought we had something. We got the idea. We're thinking forward. Um, we knew what the challenges needed to be. Uh, we had ourselves in the right mindset to try and solve this. And uh, not for nothing, but we are actually experts in this space. Like we know what right. we're talking about. So, so they thought we, we were in the right position to try and do this. So that was a very long-winded answer, but I think that story is important <laughs> for context. I, I think it is too. So, and what I love about your story is what you were thinking, you know, you were inspired by a consumer tool, uh, which, which is great, which means you're thinking outside of the box, you're thinking outside of the industry for ideas. Um, but you're also thinking in terms of applying kind of your offline business model online, which I love. Like you're you're not thinking you have to do business differently on both platforms, that they're two channels, and on both channels you can translate kind of your expertise 
to the customer. You know, you might be doing it in a slightly different way than you do it offline, um, but you're still kind of, you're still applying that expertise, I guess, to an online tool rather than, like you said, you know, just another Me Too website. Our thought process was a lot of this generation wants to be able to research kind of anonymously, and they don't want to be bothered all the time. So our sure. technology allowed them to get really all the way through the process if they wanted without talking to a specialist. It didn't require talking to a specialist, but that option is still there if you needed it. So so walk me through, just, just so that our listeners can fully understand kind of the types of questions that you're asking, because you mentioned climate before, and obviously climate is very important to the type of wood flooring that you choose. So can you just walk through a couple of the questions that you guys ask in the tool? Of course, yeah. So we, you know, there's certain things that do uh, affect the performance of any particular wood because uh, wood <laughs> is a plant, right? So a plant-based product right. is is going to be susceptible to whatever, uh, you know, nature has done with it. And so no two wood species really behave the exact same way across the board. It's not made in a lab. It's not a petroleum-based uh, byproduct or something. It's, it's a... It's an organic material. So, uh, for example, hickory is much harder than oak, but hickory is much more reactive to moisture fluctuations than oak. So you kind of have to know if you're in an area or a situation that uh, requires a lot of, there's a lot, you know, whether, like I live in the Northeast, so our climate's all over the place, but if you live in an area where it's a lake house and you're only there in the summer, um, you don't want, like hickory could be a bad choice, especially solid hickory. One of the questions we ask, we don't really ask climate directly. We ask zip code. We cross-reference the zip code with the climate. Uh, that's as personal as we get, by the way. If you want to take the quiz, we just need to know your zip code. We don't need to know your social security number and a list of your fears. But uh, <laughs> good. Um, we do have to know your subfloor because something that goes over, something's going to behave differently over concrete than it is over plywood or OSB. We do need to know whether or not you're having radiant heat because not everything's warranted over radiant heat. And then from there, we move into just sort of aesthetic questions that are optional, and you can skip them. You know, do you want – what's your design style? Is it contemporary or American traditional or rustic? Uh, color preferences, light, medium, or dark? You know, width, do you like a narrower plank, wider plank? And then when you're done, you're presented with what is effectively a showroom based on you, based on your – situation, where you live, what you're going to use it for. Oh, and I forgot to add activity level is also asked. You know, is it uh, is this a quiet space, like a bedroom, and it's just you and your, your partner, uh, and maybe you don't wear shoes? Is this the main entertainment hub, and you've got kids and a 70-pound German shepherd that has been properly <laughs> trained or something? Uh, you know, mm -hmm. that matters too. And, uh, and then when you're done, you have this showroom, essentially an online showroom that is you. This is your showroom. This is your house. This will work in your – this is all stuff we recommend for your house. And you're not seeing anything that we wouldn't recommend from a structural standpoint. And we, we have tools at the top where you can actually tweak the static questions. So, you know, I want to see the lighter floors. I don't want to see anything dark. Oh, you know what? Show me just the rustic options. You can do that afterwards. You know, you, you can save the space. You can save multiple spaces on your account so you can shop for your home in Colorado and your home in Miami and your niece's place in Oregon or whatever, right? You can have all these different spaces with all these different parameters, and they'll all have different choices. 
so that was uh, why we kind of did it that way and, uh, and to make sure that when you did buy it, if we recommended it and you were truthful in the way you answered that quiz, uh, we'll stand behind it 100%. You've talked a little bit already you know, today about how you've had to evolve the tool and the website. Um, and, and you've told me in the past that you know, you've talked a little bit about the evolution um, in terms of who you're targeting even with the website. Can you talk a little bit about that, the evolution that you've already seen in this short time um, and the need for flexibility in a process like this? Yeah, that's great. Uh, that's a great question because, it, yes, you, you, we, we have needed to be flexible. I can't say everybody needs to be flexible. <laughs> I can speak for myself, though. Uh, so here's one of the interesting things we noticed when we started this. We really were thinking consumer first when we started this. I'm almost embarrassed to admit it now, but it's true. Uh, we were thinking, yeah, homeowners are going to love this. It's going to simplify the process for them. Uh, it's going to make this more efficient. They're going to love it. They're going to love the quiz. People love it, quizzes. I can't tell you yeah, how many times logical. I know what Harry Potter sure. I'm like. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so then uh, they – we thought, they're, yeah, they're going to love this. And then what we noticed was we are selling a product that most consumers buy maybe, what, three times in their life? So that's maybe. not a yeah. lot. Yeah, maybe. If you're lucky, if you're lucky, three times or less. It's, it's not the sort of thing. And that's where in our industry, I mean, personally, we, I've heard a lot of calls that we need to educate the consumers so that they're not buying garbage. And it's true. We don't want them to buy garbage. But... Educating the consumer to me is uh, its a great idea on paper. Like everything should be electric and solar powered. That's wonderful. How do you actually do it, right? So in practice, educating a consumer to the level of expertise they would need to make an informed flooring decision and expect them to learn that for an item they're going to buy three times in their life if they're lucky uh, seems like a tall order. So we thought, okay, well, our tool – you just have to trust us, right? Like we're who we are. But but the nice thing about being educated by the person that's selling you is that person will stand behind it uh, or mm -hmm. at least legally probably should stand behind it. Um, if I make you a recommendation and I sell you something, uh, I should stand behind that recommendation. If you go to a forum somewhere and Joe's flooring in Minneapolis wrote on this forum, oh, this is the best wood, it's gonna, no problem, this is what you need for this situation, and that ends up being bad advice, and you buy it from that, that wood that he recommended from CheapChineseFloorsDirect.com or some, I don't know if that's a website or not, please don't go there. I, or if you do go there, I am not responsible for what you find. Uh, but uh, if you go to that website and buy that floor that Joe's flooring on that forum said to buy, uh, and it's bad, and it's bad advice, Joe's flooring is not going to pay for to fix it. He's going to say, I don't know, I'll put that on a forum, right? So when you spread out the responsibility like that, more responsibility ends up falling on the homeowner, and it becomes, or whoever's doing the purchasing, and it becomes a, a scarier proposition. Because now it's like, okay, I have to get this right. And it becomes really overwhelming. So Educating the consumer is great, um, but how you do it and how you expect them to learn it and how they're getting this message and what that message is, it's a, it's a tall order, right? It's a real tall order. Uh, so our way of doing that was to say, okay, trust us. We'll take care of you. Uh, you tell us what we need, and we'll, we'll do the heavy lifting for you. Mm -hmm. um, but what we noticed, and I apologize this is a roundabout way to get this answer, okay. uh, is that we were solving a problem for homeowners 
that they didn't know they had. So what they, we discovered is they would see our tool and they're like, hey, this is cool. Uh, why do you need to know if I have radiant heat? And it was like, well, because if you put something in that doesn't, it explodes and you're out like $30,000. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> it's like, right. So, so why can't I just start shopping for products? Why can't I, do you have any rift and quartered white oak? That's what I want. That, the why you want something was really important, but th- that was kind of lost on them. But what we did see is uh, professional installers who don't have showrooms that usually tend to, and, and this isn't true for all of them, but a lot of them are working with suppliers that they don't like, you know, or that don't like them and they're beholden to them. Or, or we've heard of suppliers in some markets where uh, flooring, if you call like Ed's Flooring in, in wherever, Boulder, Colorado, uh, and you want to buy a pre-finished floor, Ed doesn't have a showroom in his van that he drives around. So he sends you to sure. uh, either a retailer or a distributor, and you say, okay, go pick out what you want, and I'll install, I'll install it. Uh, and then sometimes if it's not a reputable place or it's a place that doesn't have a good relationship with Ed, they'll say, oh, yeah, you're using Ed? That's who brought you here? Tell you what, come over here and use Jason. He's cheaper. And then they end up selling mm-hmm. the material directly. And it sounds like, why would they do that? That sounds awful. Um, It happens a lot. If there are any flooring contractors out there that are listening to this, they're nodding their head furiously right now to where their ear pods are going to fly out of their ears. Um, So (laughs) what they found with us is that we basically opened a showroom in their pocket. And so through our pro account, like they could use this selection tool. They could be on site with the customer in the customer's home. And and the customer says they want pre-finished. They could be on the site right there going through the process with them with an iPad and, uh, mm-hmm. and say, okay, here's some options. I'll have the samples, blah, blah, blah. Put your email address in here. It's 10 bucks. We'll have the samples shipped right here. They'll be here in a couple of days. Uh, let me know what you pick or you even buy it. And then what would they do through our pro account is they have a discount code. The homeowner can buy uh, the product directly, get a discount. On the back end, the, um, the contractor does get a commission. So, so he's making money on the sale of the material. Um, but the homeowner feels like not only did I not get ripped off by this contractor, I got to buy this at his price, you know, and that's, uh, that's a special feeling. They, they get a deal. But uh, so that was something we saw a huge interest in. And then uh, a whole other market opened up beyond that in the interior design community, because there's so much interior designers have to be responsible for uh, mm-hmm. that to have an, the ability to source hardwood flooring, have all the technical hurdles, pitfalls knocked out of the way um, to know that this is how it's going to show up. This is what it's going to be. This is going to work in this space. Uh, because if an interior designer is working with a client and suddenly doesn't appear like they're the expert, that's, that's a kiss of death for their reputation. What we've inadvertently done is in trying to create a B2C business, uh, we've actually created a whole new empowerment of a B2B business. Yeah, it's so interesting. So how successful has this been? It sounds like things are really picking up for you. Yeah, it's a long sales cycle product. Um, but we, sure. so we've really been measuring response uh, over sales because it's been, what, like nine months. So uh, not enough time to really gauge it uh, from a, a dollar perspective. But what we're seeing in the early, early going is really kind of surprised us um, how positive the response has been to this. Uh, so, will we know long term if it's a, excuse me sustainable? Will we know long term if it's scalable? Uh, we believe it is, but 
uh, it would be disingenuous for me to give you uh, a definitive answer after being open only for such a short time. But uh, <laughs> sure. I can tell you early on, we are encouraged enough that we took our original prototype and we said, okay, uh, we're going to make this again. We're going to make it better. And we're in the process of doing that right now, actually. A lot of our experience, a lot of my interaction over the last 10 plus years has been in you know, the distribution community. And I, I feel like if you don't dedicate someone to champion you know, initiatives like this, then I feel like you're setting yourself up to maybe fail, <laughs> to be blunt, you know, because if someone's not, you know, as you've outlined very well, this takes so much time, so much energy, constant tweaking, you know, more challenges. You're going to encounter more challenges than you think you're going to encounter, and you have to be able to, like, adapt and move and change and be ready to rebuild the whole platform, you know, if if that's what, what it comes to, um, I guess. So it feels like that is a good strategy to assign someone or have a team that's just focused on things like this. I mean, would you agree? Uh, absolutely. So uh, our Jonathan, who I mentioned a few times already, he's our operations wizard, and uh, he mm-hmm. he floats between both businesses. He manages the other business as well. Uh, because I'm more a little more forward-facing, um, I'm okay. making these alliances, these deals, working with people. I really have have had to be dedicated more to that. And then we did bring my sister on, actually, um, right oh, before cool. we soft launched, a few months beforehand. And her job, she used to work for a big e-commerce uh, developer oh, to develop e-commerce that's sites. For, that's great. Yeah, she did a few few names you've probably heard of and uh, and worked with them. And she uh, came on board. She left and moved home to join us and, and really kind of helped. Honestly, it probably wouldn't have launched the way it did without her guidance at the end because I – I consider myself a fairly clever fella, but I've never built a website <laughs> like this before. And uh, mm-hmm. and so I am aware of my limitations in that sense. And so she came on. So her and I really are full-time on the Revelwood side. You're in an industry, um, I guess as we've already talked about, that is kind of traditionally viewed e-commerce is not a great fit for your products and services. So what have you learned and, and what do you hope other distributors or retailers can take uh, I guess, from what you're doing in terms of leveraging digital tools to improve the customer experience? So what we what we t- would take away with this or what I would say for someone else is the quick buck avenue is how you ruin it for the rest of us, uh, all of us. And so we took our time and really cr- tried to create something that was unique and special and, and really high end. I mean, we, we don't, we're not cheap flooring for less.com. Uh, mm-hmm. we are, uh, we're trying to create that boutique experience. We try to leverage those digital tools to have it be like that million dollar showroom. You walk into New York city and they shut the whole place down because you've got the Amex black card or whatever. Uh, <laughs> you know, that, I don't know that we've hit that level, but I, I mean, that's, but that's, you know, you always aim high, right? But there's no reason why e-commerce would be any different, uh, approach than what you're doing with your showroom with that level of care and attention you're giving to an in-person customer. Uh, and that was a piece that I thought was missing from a lot of e-commerce sites because it just it didn't look like the same level of thought and effort. I don't care how many chat boxes pop up at the bottom quarter of the screen, you know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, well, I guess, I guess on that note, John, um, that's well put. It seems like a, a good place to wrap it up. I really appreciate you sharing your story and being open and honest about kind of the challenges along the way. Um, and I hope you know, anybody listening, whether they're in flooring 
or safety supplies or, you know, backpacks. I hope that, you know, they took something from something from what you shared. I hope so. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm hoping because, again, like I said in the beginning, our our concept was considered revolutionary um, because, but it was it didn't come from inspiration through just our industry. So I'm hoping mm-hmm. that, I mean, real, it, it doesn't matter if it, it doesn't apply to you directly. These concepts, I think, do apply to us. And at least that's how we got to where we were, was looking outside of ourselves. I hope you enjoyed listening to my conversation with John. If you want to learn more about John and Revel Woods, please visit their website at revelwoods.com. That's R-E-V-E-L woods.com. That concludes this episode of Attract, Engage, Grow. If you have a story you'd like to share, please reach out to me at 3aspensmedia.com or email lindsay at 3aspensmedia.com. That's the numeral three, not spelled out. Thank you for joining me. We'll see you next time.